My guest today, a rare alpha male appearance <laughs> on the show, and you could hear his laugh already. I don't want to waste any more time because I'm so excited to finally have nailed down this guest. Welcome to the Art School Albums Podcast. Today's guest is Jack Hubert. Wow. Thanks for the great introduction. You know, <laughs> glad to be here, buddy. I am ecstatic to have you on the show. I've been trying to book you for about the last seven months and the thing that I was constantly told when I would text you to invite you on is, I- I'm going to wait until I have something to plug. <laughs> uh, I- I- if I'm going to do your podcast, I have to be able to plug something, which means you have something to plug, which means we're going to reverse format a little bit. Uh, what are you here to plug, Jack? Oh, damn. Well, first of all, this is such a big platform that I had to wait until you know I had something. You know, I didn't want to waste my time on here. Of course not. Uh, for the promotional th- sake. Uh, what I have to plug is I am... a co-hosting a another podcast not a rival podcast but another one with my friends called the nothing notable podcast we talk about you know movies and tv and sports and you know we're basically the ringer (laughs) we're basically trying to get bill simmons to buy our show (laughs) you know he just recently invested a bunch of money time and effort into a show about baseball cards. How does mm. that make you feel? Uh, you know, I have also invested some money into baseball co- cards over the last three years, you know, buying and selling them on eBay. And I've actually made a pretty penny so far. So that's let's tremendous. Not scoff, let's not scoff at the idea of that. No, no, it's a community I have the the utmost respect for. But I'm glad you're on the show. I'm glad you have a podcast that is not rivaling mine, but is merely uh, forming some sort of silent partnership. And I do look forward mm-hmm. to my invite to be on your show at some point. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious, Jack, we're recording this show. I hate to pull back the curtain too much, but we are recording the show on February 14th, 2021. It is Valentine's Day. And Jack and I are spending our Valentine's Day recording this show together because uh, it's not uh, easy to be alive right now. <laughs> Look, there's no place I would rather be right now than (laughs) recording an episode of your podcast. As I told you before we started recording, Jack, there are places I would rather be. And there were plans I thought I might have. But uh, (laughs) no, those plans did not uh, come through. But I'm curious, we're 11 months into this pandemic. And I just, and I'm not calling you out, but I do have a very vivid memory of you around early March of 2020. We were sitting in a sort of lounge area at the second city comedy club. And I just remember you ranting at me, essentially yelling at me unprovoked about how you thought the coronavirus was a false flag, how it wasn't going to upend our lives in America and how you are sick of hearing of it. 11 months later, how has that take aged? You know what? I'm going to put that into one of the categories where I was wrong about stuff. But you see, here's the thing that people don't realize is you are allowed to change your opinion as time goes on when new facts are presented towards you. You know, back late February, early March, when it was like two people had it, I'm like, not a big deal. (laughs) At that point, it's just, it's it's the flu. I'm not concerned about this thing. That's what I thought. And now here we are almost a year later and over 400,000 people are dead from it. And I'm like, yeah, I think I might've been a little wrong at that one. It is weird. We we mentioned this also before we started recording. I feel like I've known you for years. I feel like you've been one of my very good friends for a long time now. 
we have spent approximately six weeks in person with one another and the rest of our relationship. You're basically a COVID friend. I basically don't know the real you. I only know you through the digital landscape, (laughs) which is frightening. I mean, it's a year on and this is the life we're living. Look, you know, 2020 was an interesting, challenging year, but you know, good silver linings can still come out of it like our friendship, even if it do merely be over the phone. (laughs) So, this is an interesting episode. We're talking about volume one of the ESPN compilation, better known as Jock Jams. And before we get to that, the, the reason we're doing this is obviously Jack Hubert, as you can tell from the sound of his voice, as you know from listening to 50 plus episodes of this show and the tone of my voice, we are alpha males who love <laughs> ourselves some sports. And I've been trying to get Jack Hubert on the show for a long time, not necessarily to discuss this although, this, although this is an idea that I've had for quite a while, but because I just like talking to Jack Hubert, this is primarily going to be a sports-themed episode, which means I want to start covering the music side of things. I want to ask you just what music you like, because you seem like a man that consumes a lot of content by The Ringer, and The Ringer does not produce music. So when you're not listening to Bill Simmons, what are you listening to? What? I jokingly said this before we started, but I'm going to give you the shitty answer, which is I listen to a little bit of everything. Um, I I would say probably my favorite, though. I love Stevie Wonder. Okay. I think Stevie Wonder is um, phenomenal. Um, I've gone through phases of my life where I've been a big Kanye fan. Um, And where where do you stand with him right now? (laughs) Look, I think some of his music is really good, but as a person, I think you need some help. I think that's a very safe way of assessing the Kanye West conundrum in 2021. Had this been a normal episode of the show where I asked the guest to bring on an album to talk about off the top of your head, do you know what record you would have picked to discuss on this show? Oh, probably Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life. Please give me a brief spiel on it. Cause I've never heard this album before. Look, you just got to listen to it. I think I, it's like pretty long, I think, which I generally don't like in albums. I don't like when they're too long, but I just think like it's a masterpiece. There are so many excellent songs on here. Um, Sir Duke, probably my favorite one. You are a very nice man. I, oh, I hope thanks, this I, I hope this doesn't offend you to say you have teddy bear like qualities. I've been told that before. I it yeah, it seemed like something you had probably heard, but it is something that I have also felt. So it doesn't seem like anger or rage are necessarily qualities you're looking for in music. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, I would say so. I, I I'm not typically an angry person and I don't like intentionally making myself like upset. So yeah, I don't like very violent, angry music. That is where we differ. I sometimes like getting angry just to get angry. I don't know if you're familiar with the genre of YouTube videos known as cops versus skateboarders, but nothing riles me up more than seeing skateboarders getting kicked off of private property by a couple of no-nonsense police officers. I'll turn on that and just just my blood will boil as I sit alone in my apartment and I have no outlet for this rage. I just do it to get angry. It feels good sometimes. Look, you told me a story once about you 
punching a closet door while watching a Pacers game. So I do think you, you're a person who needs to find some avenues to channel your anger into. And if comps versus skateboarders is that, more power to you. What's interesting is you started that story about me punching something, and I wasn't sure if you were going to reference me punching a closet door or me punching a dorm room door, because I believe you're familiar with both of those stories. Yes, you have told me both those stories, and I think they're both hilarious, but I think the one of you punching the dorm room door is funnier. Yeah, that unfortunately, that story can't be told on this no. podcast for a number of reasons. That's, that's unacceptable. I also told you this is something that resonated with you the first time I said it. I'm curious about a year after the fact where you stand on this i told you that i don't believe in male therapists is that something that you've come around on because i know at one point you disagreed with me i think i generally would still disagree with you but i can understand how someone like yourself who is a strong alpha male um, would not want to express your needs and feelings to a therapist to be clear a male therapist a male therapist my apologies obviously I'm a tender soul. I love. We all know this. I love. Look, it's on the record. It's canon that I love therapy. I, I'm an advocate for it. I think it's great. Specifically, when I'm talking at a woman, I cannot imagine pouring my soul out to a guy with a clipboard and yellow legal paper. It just it seems unhealthy, quite honestly. And so I, I know that was a that was really the first memory I have of you of. Like, oh, this dude's this dude's cool. Like, I said something <laughs> weird, and he disagreed with me, and then had a conversation about it. I like this dude because because we met at, at Second City, and it seemed like everything yeah. was going so well, and we were surrounded by all these these funny people. I, I guess uh, before we talk about the athletic side of things, since we're in the theater realm, is there anything else from your time at Second City uh, that you directly associate with? with ourselves with you and me are there any other good memories you have from second city we did an improv scene in norm holly's improv class where we were arguing jordan versus lebron and i do not think anyone in the class enjoyed it but i vividly remember that scene um (laughs) and i'm like damn this is a good time but i don't think anyone watching it was like oh i enjoy this so this is a great segue Uh, Because one, I completely forgot that we did that, but we did. And, you know, there's nothing better than doing improv at 9.45 in the morning. And Nothing better. (laughs) When you alienate your entire audience by doing a concept that they're not really familiar with, it is even more fun. I do remember Norm Holly interjecting and basically saying he doesn't respect LeBron James because the bad boy Pistons could beat him up, which I... I also don't think it's true. I do think LeBron could whip anybody on that team, but I think that's how it started was Norm was complaining that basketball is too soft and that the hand check rule killed the sport. And that was all the inspiration we needed. Look, Norm is an old man with old grouchy man opinions. These 1980s basketball purists are always trying to hate on the modern game, which is way more electrifying than it was back then. If you want to watch a slow paced 75 to 70 game, be my guest. I will take Steph Curry just pulling up for threes from 30 feet out any day of the week. So you mentioned that the audience, it's amazing that they weren't really keen on LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. That concept seemed to be a little bit too sports centric for them. 
you are someone that went to at least two art schools, maybe three or four. I know I you bounced around kind of like a, like a six like, man on an NBA team for a while. There you go. Great reference. Keep the sports theme going. Uh, exactly. I'm curious, just in your general life, what you think of the sports ball crowd, the people that are almost gloating about their lack of sports knowledge. Does that irk you in any way? I, it, it's, it doesn't irk me. I think it's a weird thing to like gloat about, to be like, I don't know about this. Let me <laughs> gloat about it to people. Like you don't see me doing that with insert whatever here. I can't think anything off the top of my head, but like, it's just, it's a weird thing to me that people would take so much pride in like not being into something. I completely agree. I don't understand it, but I'm also somebody that grew up playing sports, Mm -hmm. whose life revolved around sports. You did the same. I want to ask you about your athletic career, your life as a student athlete. Please give me the, the brief synopsis of what Jack Hubert was like on the field or on the court or in the pool or whatever it was you were doing. Well, I, I played um, baseball starting when I was like four or something up until my junior year of high school when I stopped playing because our team was so horrendously bad. And I'm like, this is not enjoyable for me to come and play here and us lose literally every single game. I have a vivid memory of one game where I was pitching my sophomore year where um, we made 17 errors in like three innings. Um, yeah, and, I, that that is uh, all too familiar on my end. Please continue. Yeah, and I, it was like, I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go join my friends who are doing theater and who looking like they're look like they're having a fun time, unlike being here and just being miserable. I was pretty good, though. I, I think I had all the, the best numbers on the team. Not to brag, but... <laughs> no, but you are a high school athlete, and until the end of time, you should mention that and work it into conversation as much as possible because I think people would think it's really cool that you played a sport in high school. <laughs> I played a sport in high school. I played two sports for one year. I played football my freshman year of high school, and then I got a um, head-slash-neck injury, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to, perhaps invoke some PTSD, but can you describe what happened on this head slash neck injury? There was no like big hit or anything. I just at one point started having really bad headaches every day. And I spent like months going to doctor's appointments to figure out like what's going on. And they're like, it doesn't look like you have a concussion. You maybe have like a pinched nerve in your neck. So I went to uh, the chiropractor and that worked. but at one point they're like, you also might have something called a, a pseudo tumor in your brain, which is like when there's a brain tumor there, but there's nothing actually there. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound real. That also doesn't sound comforting. I, uh, I, I'm very sorry to hear about your possible yeah. pseudo tumor. Yeah. You know, we're all good though. Now uh, I enjoyed football, but I also enjoyed not having headaches more. <laughs> I've painted this disposition for the listeners. Jack Hubert, kind man, teddy bear qualities, doesn't get angry, pretty laid back like Stevie Wonder. On the field, though, were you a competitive guy? Were you a trash talker at all? Please explain. I am a hyper-competitive person. So, yes, I was talking on the field. I was always yelling and hooting and hollering 
even during baseball, which is like the least aggressive sport there was, um, I remember one time, um, this was either freshman year or eighth grade, I cannot remember, but uh, a player on the other team trucked our catcher. Um, and so when he was up the next time, I threw the ball right at him. Good. And I'm like, I ain't going to put up with that shit. Uh, so, yeah, that sounds very familiar to my playing career. I also played baseball, not for my high school, but through my sophomore year of high school. And, I, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a nice person. I've been to therapy. But on the field, just a miserable human being to be around. Just yeah. not, like, not fun. Uh, horribly, horribly competitive as a pitcher, constantly throwing at guys because they were mm -hmm. too close to the plate because they were too far away from the plate, because they did something earlier in the game that I didn't like, because I didn't like the way they looked. Yeah, I, th I threw at a lot of people, always at the rib cage, but I threw at a lot of people. And I think part of this was because when I played, I was in such an elevated state of intensity. And part of that was brought on by the fact that from a very young age, I had very specific music that I wanted to listen to before games. I think the, the hype-up music and the walk-up songs are a crucial part of any sporting event as a spectator or an athlete. And as an athlete, I think it greatly impacted the way I played. Was music at all a factor in your athletic career? You know, not so much. I, like, before games and stuff, I more like to just be in silence and, like, focus up and, like, get to that place where I was ready to uh, perform on the field. I had like breathing exercises I would do and stuff in the dugout like 15 minutes before the game started. Um, the The process would vary a little bit if I was pitching that day or not. Um, but no, I, I really like just to get like centered and focused before game. My experience with breathing exercises started directly after I stopped playing sports. Basically, mm. I stopped playing baseball and I was like, well, I, I'm a mess of a human and I can no longer like shelter it within this sport. Now let me try to become like a well-rounded human. So for <laughs> me, it was like, okay, before a game, headphones on, I want Limp biscuit playing mm. in my headphones as loud as I possibly can. <laughs> If a UFC fighter can walk to the ring to it, to the octagon, I want that in my headphones five minutes before a baseball game. And I think that incredibly influenced my style of play and the intensity that I work with. Because you know me, uh, although I'm not a musical person, I have no instrument abilities. I am someone that really cares about music and it really directly impacted not only the way I played, but also as a consumer, I have said before on this podcast, I talked with another man named Jack, this one being Jack Pogan, about how the 15 minutes before an NBA game starts, that is the most crucial time of entertainment in the world. And I think every NBA team does it wrong because mm -hmm. they have catered to the family. They've catered <laughs> to the suburbs. And I think that is incorrect. I want it to be not uh, adult oriented 
as in graphically, graphically sexual. I do want it to be dangerously intense though. Mm. And I have said before, if I could have it my way, uh, specifically with the Indiana Pacers and their cheerleaders, the Pacemates, I believe I could choreograph a dance to Busta Rhymes, Break Your Neck, that I think would be the <laughs> perfect hype-up music for my squad. I think they would win every single game if I had it my way 15 minutes before the start of an NBA game. You come from a rich heritage of sports fandom in the Bay Area oh, with yes. your Oakland A's, with your Golden State Warriors, with your San Francisco 49ers. As a consumer, is this something you pay attention to at all? What was it like? I'm assuming you've been to Oracle Arena. How was the intensity like before a Warriors game? I have only actually been to Oracle, I think twice in my life, unfortunately. Uh, you know, in the latter years, it got too expensive <laughs> to go there. You weren't um, a Silicon Valley billionaire. You couldn't afford you know, to get into those Warriors games. The, <laughs> the area I live in is very wealthy, and I'm trying to figure out where my money is. Because <laughs> everyone around me seems to have exponentially more money than I do. <laughs> um, but no, I Oracle is... It's very interesting to contrast Oracle with the Ace uh, Stadium, which I don't even know what it's called right now. It changes names every other year. Last I heard, it was called O.co uh, Coliseum for or- for um, Overstock.com. Who I, who I believe are canceled now. I believe they became big Trump donors. I believe so. So I think the name is different now. But so at an A's game, it's empty, first of all. There's like... I don't know, 8,000 people there. Um, at a Warriors game, it's a packed house. The, the energy is much more lively there. But I think that also kind of contrasts what uh, baseball and basketball is. Basketball, I think, is a much more uh, energetic game. And baseball is a much calmer, uh, more relaxing game. So I feel like those two vibes kind of fit the sport. I will say this, and and I apologize for throwing your A's under the bus. I have been to every major league stadium in California, with the exception of the Oakland Coliseum. You don't because need to. <laughs> I yeah, I you know my dad and I once planned a trip to California to see a lot of different stadiums, and Oakland wasn't on that list. And now mm-hmm. we're like, well, we're not just gonna go to Oakland. Like we like who's gonna do that? Look, the A's are a sad and pathetic organization uh they make me sad almost every off season because their billionaire owners cannot pay their players and they will not start doing that until a new stadium gets built um but a new stadium will also not get built until they sell the team because the current ownership group is incompetent jack i want to transition into jock jams volume one which was released it was released on july 25th 1995 and it was the i guess the second collection in the series although it was jock jams volume one in the summer of 1994 espn put together the jock rock volume one compilation which had your basics of your we will rock you by queen blitzkrieg bop by the ramones and a bunch of other stuff that you would associate with basically corny ass stadium music And then thanks to Tommy Boy Records and Monica Lynch, who was the president of that record label, she got together with the Madison Square Garden music director and said, hey, what about 
appealing to the dance crowd, to electronic music, to hip hop and R&B, all of these genres now that I think dominate the, mean, the, the mainstream music consciousness, but we're still bubbling up to the surface in 1995. She said, well, let's put all of these on a compilation and let's see what we can do. ESPN would then put it out. They would put out three different jock jams and jock rock compilations ending in 2000 with the uh, start of Napster. iTunes would come into 2001. Then from there, it's, you know, a file sharing conglomerate and now streaming, which is what we have now. So I guess that is a basic history of how we got to jock jams. Of course, I wanted to have you on this episode because, you're my jock friend. You're the guy I talk <laughs> sports to every Sunday for 17 weeks. I would get a text from you. Not you. It didn't seem like you were mad at me that the 49ers weren't playing well, but it did seem a little personal. Look, this was a very rough year for us 49ers fans really starting in week two when I think we had like four different starters tear ACLs like in one week. Um, Uh, You have to understand that I had to go through the pain of watching Nick Mullins play quarterback for like 14 weeks this year, which is... Can I I say, I watched Jared Goff play quarterback for, I think, 16 weeks. Not much better. Uh, Significantly better than Nick Mullins. Nick Nick Mullins. That's not who it is. Nick Mullins. Sorry to disrespect uh, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, but by merging him together with the disgrace that is Nick Mullins, but... You know, it was a painful year. Um, We were able to beat your Rams twice, which was really the highlight of the season. Uh, You know, there's some good pieces there. Uh, Next season can't be much worse. Hopefully we can just stay healthy. I I thought we were going to talk about the album, but I did think of two topics that will, again, alienate alienate most of our listeners as this is a sports ball type audience on this podcast. But there are two things that I really have to ask you about. One of them being the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade uh, that my Los Angeles Rams took a part in. What are your thoughts on that trade? I thought, well, first of all, there was lots of um, rumors circling around on 49ers Twitter that the 49ers were going to get Matt Stafford uh, without giving up their um, first round pick is what the uh, initial reports were and it ended up that the Rams swooped in and gave up two first round picks and Jared Goff who think of him as you will he's a serviceable quarterback he's fine he's fine he's nice little player special. no exactly <clears throat> nothing special nothing special he actually went to uh, my rival high school here mm-hmm. in the Bay Area um, but I thought the Rams got significantly better through that trade and I think that first round draft picks are overrated uh since 2016 the kansas city chiefs have only made two first round draft picks and they have been in two super bowls now and could have been in a third if d4 didn't jump off sides in 2019 so 2019 well let me say this jack one you went to the super bowl with jimmy garoppolo two years ago relax he's your starting quarterback and he took you to a super bowl so it's fine i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i think if jimmy is healthy he's very good but he's also missed i think it's 57 percent of games over the last four years which is my biggest concern with him is i don't know if he can stay healthy consistently and for the 26 million dollars he's getting i feel like that could be reinvested somewhere else 
Well, on the topic of quarterbacks, I mentioned at the top of the show that you were, I would say, deadly inaccurate about the novel coronavirus. The other big swing and a miss that you had (laughs) in 2020 was the fate of the Los Angeles Chargers and their quarterback situation. Jack Hubert talking a lot of shit in July and August about how much game film he's been watching. And Justin Herbert's just not not going to cut it in the NFL. I would say now the most exciting player to watch, in my opinion. I watched, I think, every single Chargers game this year with the idea that every time Justin Herbert stepped on the field, it was a really, really special occurrence how does it feel to have taken two huge l's in 2020 well you see i'm i was i I, i'm happy that i was wrong about justin herbert because i want i literally want every team to be good in the nfl because that makes for a better product that i have to watch on sundays and mondays and thursdays and apparently now sometimes tuesdays and wednesdays and sometimes saturdays sometimes saturdays i i watch probably over the course of the year i watch nfl red zone on sundays okay it goes through all the games and then during the course of the week i will also watch the condensed versions of every single game i am a nerd when it comes to this regard um but back to justin herbert I think the real criticism has to go to the Oregon coaching staff because they did not use him correctly at all, which made him not look good on the film. (laughs) They were thrown, I think he threw, it was like 47% of his passes in his senior year at Oregon were behind the line of scrimmage. And this kid can got a whale of an arm on him. He's got an absolute cannon. The ball's 75 yards downfield. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know why they were having him just dink and dunk it all game long, but he's a much better player uh, in the NFL than he was at college, which so, taught me a lot about, uh, about um, evaluating prospects and quarterbacks don't necessarily look for what they did in college, but look for what they can do as they transition to the NFL. I'm just starting to drive into my dive into my uh, draft process now for the 2021 draft. I will be making my big board again. <laughs> well, with that in mind, Jock Jams Volume 1, like I said, July 25th, <laughs> 1995, the release date. On ESPN.com last year, David Fleming did a tremendous 25th anniversary retrospective piece on how this came about talking to I think every artist that was included on the compilation and then the creators of it like I said the people from Tommy Boy Records the Madison Square Garden music director Ray Castoldi and I want to read this from Fleming's words on the July or I'm sorry on the 25th anniversary piece where he says released on July 25th 1995 the collection opened with Michael Buffer's now ubiquitous let's get ready to rumble boxing howl it was overstuffed with an infectious borderline obnoxious mix of arena earworms such as get ready for this gonna make you sweat and YMCA many sports and music fans are now familiar with the carrot colored case cover cd case covered in airborne cheerleaders or the seminal collection of stadium anthems once described as an orgy of chantable hooks and adrenaline fueled schmaltz jack hubert you sat down you listened to this album it's i think you can call it about 15 songs with a few samples thrown in there what are your thoughts big picture as we look at this album as if we were still athletes hyping us up for the big game do you think this album accomplishes that task? You know, 
in ways I could see how it would. The songs are all very upbeat on there. They're songs that like get you bobbing your head. Um, now, are they good songs? Maybe not necessarily in today's standards, but I could I could see how one would uh, have these songs be like hype up songs, getting them ready for the big game. I will say this. Like I said, I've done over 50 episodes of this show, either doing interviews or reviewing albums with guests. And I've reviewed very intense albums like Morrissey's Vox Hall and I, Arthur's Hair of the Dog, Jack's Mannequin, Everything in Transit. This is the hardest it has been to prepare for an episode because throwing these songs on and sitting <laughs> alone in my apartment listening to them made me feel like a fucking idiot. Yeah, There's I had to stop. No... <laughs> I had to stop. I could not listen to it all the way through. I had to stop. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it of me sitting at my dumb little desk chair mm -hmm. with uh, everybody dance now blasting oh from my, my apartment. It made me feel dumb. And it was a unique hurdle that I was not anticipating for this project. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I um, have notes on these songs and for one of them for gonna make you sweat let me just say my note was i can't i actually hate this one you know gonna make you sweat everybody dance now by cnc music factory is an interesting song and they have a quote in that david fleming piece where the singer freedom williams says and i quote and i'm gonna want your opinion on this sports is nothing but a dance it's rhythm right Baseball is a slow dance. Football is a violent dance. Basketball is a quick dance. When you hit a ground ball to the shortstop and the shortstop hits the second baseman and the second baseman throws it to first, that's poetry. That's a dance they're doing. So Jack Hubert, is a 6-4-3 double play dance? I 100% think so. I That quote, I wrote that quote down too. I think that's a brilliant quote. Is it a little cheesy? Yes, we're not going to deny that. But I think uh, sports are so beautiful at times. It, when you especially consider just how magnificent these athletes are, like it's just when, especially once you start realizing and recognizing what's going on, you're like, wow, that was beautiful footwork. The timing was just perfect on that. It's a, it's a lovely thing. I think it's an interesting way to bridge the divide between perhaps some Columbia College Chicago types who don't exactly know anything about sports and us jocks, us people that are shoulder checking nerds into the theater hallways of I've never our shoulder school. checked a nerd in my life. Oh God, <laughs> I, I, I haven't, but I would love to. It seems like it'd be, I like sometimes it's like, oh yeah, being a bully makes sense. Like it's actually- You woke up and chose violence today. I, and, and often I do, and I, in a way, feel like there are some songs on this compilation that chose violence, some very intense ones, and I found what made it onto the compilation and what didn't to be very interesting. And in that retrospective piece I've been talking about, there are quotes from Jay Ski McGowan, a Quad Cities DJs member and the 69 Boys producer, because there was some controversy, including artist the 69 boys and their song tootsie roll and ski says in this quote we just decided hey if anyone from espn asked about the 69 boys just say the guys were all born in 1969 and tootsie roll is a candy and a fun dance and leave it at that a little bit more we would have been in trouble with espn but we stayed right on that line and according 
two sources, ESPN bought that despite the fact that these 69 boys were not born in 1969. I will say that was a song I was unfamiliar with. Had you heard Tootsie Roll before sitting down and listening to this album? It sounded vaguely familiar, but I could not have told you like where I heard it from. That being said, I do not think Tootsie Rolls are a good candy, and I will leave it at that. I think they're vastly overrated. I think there is an issue, and this might be an ignorant statement, but you might not have been able to tell if you've heard it before or not, because a lot of 90s R&B music just happens to sound like the same song over and over again. You're not wrong. Thank you very much. That's huge. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't get a lot of pushback there. Uh, The other big sequencing and inclusion controversy came down to one of the debates, which again, Ray Castoldi, who was the Madison Square Garden director of music, uh, he noted that there was a debate to put either Casey and the Sunshine Bands get down tonight or the Village People's YMCA on volume one, but YMCA had the dance. So they went with that. Casey and the Sunshine Band, they ended up on volume two, And then he noted that even for something like this, they tried to get uh, Welcome to the Jungle and those bands just wouldn't do the licensing and that he wanted Song 2 by Blur, the woohoo song, and Blur being the prep school artistic kids and the Britpop scene compared to the poor, trashy, albeit more talented Oasis. Uh, Blur said, absolutely not. We do not want our music on a sports-themed compilation. Jack, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there a song, and it does not have to fit this R&B dance genre. When you think jock jams, what is a song that absolutely has to be included on that list? A song that absolutely has to be included on that list. Oh, man. Damn, you really are putting me on the spot here. I, I got to do it. It's I was caught thing. off guard by this one. You said We Will Rock You was on the... Um, it is Jock on Jock Rock, Rock Volume huh? 1. It is what opens up the compilation, Song 1. Damn. I think that's like a very classic one to go on these sort of things. Man, if I had to think of another one, uh, I'm going to say Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. That seems like it would very much fit the vibe of, these, uh, of this uh, soundtrack here. I could see that one being on here. Certainly not the direction that I thought you were going to go, but well, uh, I don't think it's a hype up song, but it sounds 100% like every single other song on here. When you were playing baseball, did you ever have the opportunity to perhaps select a song that accompanied you when you were going up to bat some sort of walk up music? They didn't let us do that at our high school. I was severely disappointed. I don't know what I would have chose. But like, yeah, I was disappointed. I'm like, let me put something up there. We would play teams where they would let the home team do that, but they would never let us do it. I'm like, this is, this is bullshit. (laughs) It is bullshit. That's bad. I do think that is something that every kid in like a, like almost very serious sense. I do think every kid should experience that at some point of selecting what song it is they warm up to. It's a very cool experience. I had the opportunity to do it a few times. I don't remember what I chose. I know if I was doing this now, I would obviously pick something very aggressive, very aggro, something that would be off-putting to most of the people in the audience. I'm leaning towards Never Fight a Man with a Perm by Idols. I think that guitar riff is, dare I say, infectious. And I think that would have gotten me adequately hyped up, which I think so many of these songs on Jock Jams Volume 1 failed to do. When you look at the track listing, Jack, What jumps out to you as songs that you think accomplished their goal? What songs properly hyped you up? Oh, I 
hip hop hooray great one on there i think that one i was a fan of um and then whoop there it is those were probably my two favorite on the list obviously whoop there it is one of the greatest songs ever recorded tag team killed it it is it is almost shockingly good like you sit down and listen to it and it's a pretty good song am i am i off base in saying that no, I think you are probably on you're you're on the right track with that one. I I think this is a fun song. It's a very white person wedding song. Um but yeah, it, you can you can get you can get going with this one. I'm a and, fan. And Hip Hop Hooray Naughty by Nature is fantastic. It's a it's a legitimately great song that is from legitimately great artists. I mean that that is the artistic credibility on this album if there is any that is like oh now you're hitting the art school album sweet spot on jock james volume one (laughs) yeah those those that's like i think that's the pinnacle of this album here i think there's a lot of lows but that one is definitely a high would you say that hip-hop array is the apex mountain of jock james volume one of jock james volume one yeah i think it's the apex mountain I think there are a few other strong ones on here. Come Baby Come by K7, which was another controversial listing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That is, for a style of music that I don't particularly enjoy, I thought that one was very strong. My note for that one in my uh, when I was listening to these says, why are all these songs so long? <laughs> so Jack Hubert, you came to the right podcast to talk about that. I notoriously don't like songs over five minutes. This compilation is full of songs over five minutes because <laughs> these dancing freaks have to get it out of their system and they need a long song to do that too. Yeah, you know, even the songs that aren't like long time-wise feel so long because they're just like four words over and over again for four minutes straight. I think the the one true dance track on this album that accomplishes its goal, and it is a bit of a corny song, and it's one that's probably overused now, but Technotronics pump up the jam. I get into that one. I am okay with that being included in a in a 2021 compilation of Jock Jams if such a thing were to exist. I I'm not gonna say that song gets me hyped up, but I'm certainly not put off by it. No, that wasn't that was one where I wasn't like begging for it to be over so I can finish like getting through this album. That one I'm like, okay, this one's okay. I can I can put this one on. I feel like this one doesn't feel incredibly dated like some of the songs on here. I'm like, this one can stay. One of the songs that I think you could argue felt dated, but it is the other one that I really enjoyed on this is the EMF song Unbelievable which later was featured in a Kraft Mac and Cheese commercial with the remix Crumb Believable. I love that song. Uh, Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that one as well. That's another one of those similar to the Naughty by Nature vibe where, you know, do I look at EMF Unbelievable as this great feat of an athletic soundtrack? Mm -hmm. Am I going to put it on in the background when I'm stretching, when I'm warming up, when I'm getting ready for the big game? Not quite, but it's a good song. So I'm okay with it being included on this compilation. What songs to you felt really dated and felt like they perhaps missed the mark when looking at this through 2021 eyes? Oh, I hate Get Ready for This. I think that song is annoying as hell. When I think of that song, all I think of is, I don't know if you remember these, but back in like the mid 2000s, the um, Six Flags, 
uh, amusement park commercials featured this song with an old man like dancing. And it's all I can think of when I hear this song. And I just find it to be so incredibly annoying. <laughs> I don't remember these commercials. So take me through it to the best of your ability. Cause I, I, I feel like I don't understand. Pretty much it was just this song playing and there was an old man just dancing. That was the whole commercial. And then it ends with Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. I, will, I, don't, I, I don't understand the point of it, but they were annoying. And I feel like that those have ruined this song for me forever. I have not seen that commercial. I associate that song with the movie Space Jam, mm. which I would like your thoughts on. Good movie, bad movie, where do you stand on it? I think I'm very indifferent about Space Jam. Interesting. Um, I, I would probably, if I had to pick, you know, I would probably lean towards not a fan. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It's, yeah. A, it's a movie a lot of people have very strong opinions about. To some people, it validated their entire childhood. And to other people, they want to make you know that that movie sucks shit. Look, it's a movie. I mean, I think people get sometimes too passionate about their, you know, movie picks. Not everyone's going to love everything you like as well. And you just have to be okay with that. I think it's fine. Well, I was not loving most of the jock jams selection. <laughs> I know Jack was very bothered by get ready for this. I, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's a song that I think you have to include. It is essentially the, we will rock you equivalent mm-hmm. of this. I mean, it was the first song and it's one where it's like, Oh, of course that's going to be on. And it's one that, you know, again, I hear it and I'm not entirely annoyed by it for me, black box, strike it up, pump it up, go ahead, go ahead. I will even throw in Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rocks. It takes two. Ooh, as songs that miss the mark. Well, I will say when it comes to it takes two, it is for our younger listeners. I think Mr. Brightside has taken its spot in the mm-hmm. annals of pop culture, where I think every wedding you and I go to for the rest of our lives, we will hear Mr. Brightside. And I think the song before that, that overstayed its welcome for far too long was It Takes Two. And for that reason, the song annoys me. I can understand that. I think it's a a pretty decent song. Um, I will say, I think the best use of that song ever was in the NFL 100 commercial, if you recall that, which honestly, for my money, is the greatest commercial ever made and since they picked that one song to be the anthem for the 100 years of the nfl i think it's very fitting to be on jock jams volume one a tremendous point by jack hubert and one of those sort of game-changing points in the podcast where (laughs) the guest makes such a good point that it entirely changes my opinion and perception on a song on this compilation it takes two is now back on the board because i also love those nfl 100 commercials i thought most of the stuff the nfl did for their 100th year anniversary was super cool and i liked a lot of it and it's always nice when a giant branding opportunity actually delivers instead of being a massive disappointment and you're right those commercials were really good jack you were at a tremendous point you have proven me wrong let me give myself a chance to get back on the board. What <laughs> songs were not connecting with you? And I'll see if there's any I disagree with. What songs were not connecting with me? Going through these again. I said it already, but gonna make you sweat. I just, I can't with that one. That's a rough one for me. Um, can't, I, I can't do it, man. I'm not a fan. 
I was begging for that one to be over. The positive of Gonna Make You Sweat is that it is by CNC Music Factory. And about a decade ago in the world of professional wrestling, there were two guys named Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. And they formed a tag team called CNC Wrestle Factory. And I always liked that name. Thought that was clever enough and just like, oh, like I know that reference. That's funny. And so I, I will give them that, but it is not what I would call a good song. No, it, it's, it's very, it feels very dated. And, you know, maybe if I was back in, when did this come out? 1995? 1995. Maybe if I was back in 1995, uh, I would feel it more. But, you know, here in 2021, February of 2021, wasn't doing it for me. I think that's very fair. I think I, you know, I, I can't, I can't argue against that. Are there any others on this album? We talked about how, let, or I'm not let us get ready to rumble, but get ready for this and then going to make you sweat. Not really doing it for you. Anything else on the latter half of this album that really annoyed you? I, I don't know if it annoys me, but at this point, again, in February of 2021, I think YMCA is just so wildly overplayed and I think the fact that that was used at every single Trump rally has made the song even worse at this point. That was going to be my final topic, was the inclusion of YMCA. I don't get it. I'm not sure what purpose it serves. I will say during the Punk Rock Music Festival Riot Fest a few years ago, the Village People played, and I heard from multiple people that the Village People set was the most fun thing that entire weekend that they just, they nailed it. The audience loved it. Everyone was super receptive to it, which is great. I don't want to hear this song ever again. I didn't want to hear it before Trump started what I would say hilariously dancing to it. Uh, just his dance moves, it. always yeah. fucking hilarious. And, and, and Jack knows a thing or two about political commentary as he is the only person I know of to ever vote for Amy Klobuchar in a primary. <laughs> it is the first thing I learned about Jack Hubert and it is the best thing I know about Jack Hubert that this dude was like, you guys, Klobuchar might well, be onto something. <laughs> I'm always trying to find diamond in the roughs out here. <laughs> I like I like rooting for the underdogs. Um, I also have a rule where I don't vote for people over the age of 75. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is, I, I kind of forgot about that until just now that Jack Hubert wrote and performed a song about voting for Amy Klobuchar. I'm not going to ask you to do that here, but it is something that I do want to get on the record for the people that don't know you or that forgot about that, that you uh, really, really nailed down your support of Minnesota's Finest. I did, in fact, perform a song. I believe it was um, set to the theme of La La Land, the uh, classic film, um, what are your opinions on the film La La Land, Case Low? I am now the host of this podcast. Well, I've never seen the movie. Who are the stars of it? It's um, Ryan Gosling and... Um, Emma Stone, right? Emma Stone, yeah. So I don't really know who Ryan Gosling is. I don't know if I've ever seen him or anything. I know that name, but I don't, I don't recognize... I don't put a face to that in my head. Emma Stone was very funny and super bad. So I have to like her for that. But it's a movie about jazz, and I think jazz is a waste of time. I think it's a bad genre of music for the most part. So I'm going to go thumbs down on La La Land, despite the fact that I've never <laughs> seen it and really don't know what it's about. 
Yeah, uh, you don't seem like a big movie guy, huh? I don't like movies. They're too long. The best thing Dude, I saw... I'm right there with you. I, have you seen The Wrong Missy? The Wrong Missy. That no, is the David that Spade, Adam, Lauren Lapkus. David Spade? No, <laughs> I've not seen that one. So that movie's funny as shit. That's everything I want from a movie. That was like... N- 90 minutes in and out straight laughs the entire time no serious moments that's what i'm looking for in a movie yeah i'm not a big movie guy so my decision to uh co-host a podcast in which we talk about movies seems like it may have been a poor idea um but you know i honestly just like sitting down and talking with my friends much (laughs) like this conversation right here about jock jams volume one which Unless there's anything else you have to say about Jock James Volume 1, Jack Hubert, I think we have properly broken down and analyzed this album through 2021 eyes. Yeah, you know, when we started, I hated it. And as we ended, I'm like, I don't hate it. I don't necessarily like it. But, you know, I think I think it has a place in the culture, maybe not the 2021 culture, but I could see how back in 1995, Jock James Volume 1, was quite popular. I like that this album exists, even if I don't like the album. I'm glad we sat down and listened to it. I'm glad we talked for a while. I have one more question for you, Jack Huber, before you go. When it comes to the National Basketball Association, who is the greatest player of all time? Greatest player of all time. I mean, a lot of people are going to say Michael Jordan, but I just think if you put Clyde Drexler on those same <laughs> Chicago Bulls team. <laughs> I did, uh, that, that, that did remind me that Jack Hubert, after watching The Last Dance, incorrectly labeled me as a huge Clyde guy, which, yeah. got, me, which got me yelled at by Norm Holly. He was like, Case, what the fuck are you talking about? Clyde sucked. I was like, I didn't say that. I mean, I have a vivid memory of you saying that Clyde Drexler was a more talented player than Michael Jordan. And if he played in a bigger market like Chicago, we would recognize him as the same critically acclaimed player. I have a vivid memory of that. I don't feel like that happened. I, I know I definitely remember you saying that coronavirus wasn't that big of a deal and you were sick of hearing about it and that Justin Herbert was going to be a bust. I don't have memories of me saying that Clyde the Glide was as good as Jordan. I will say, if you want my real answer to Please. this question, um, I think that probably the best player of all time is LeBron James, but the greatest player is currently Michael Jordan. That's an interesting way of saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jack Hubert, I want to thank you <laughs> for joining me on the Art School Albums podcast. You plugged your stuff up top, but just in case people, I don't know, skipped the first two minutes for whatever psychotic reason they did, plug your stuff at the end, by all means. Yeah. Man, you get two plugs for one. Wow. Well, first of all, if you're skipping the first two minutes of a podcast to listen to the last two minutes, I don't let, that's so weird. Uh, <laughs> And I do judge you as a person, um, but I, I'm hosting this, co-hosting this podcast called the Nothing Notable Podcast. Uh, we talk about sports and movies and TV, all that good stuff. You can find us on uh, Spotify, Nothing Notable Podcast, YouTube, Nothing Notable Podcast, or on Instagram at Nothing Notable. Uh, yeah, that's all my plugs there. Jack Hubert, that was tremendous. Thank you for joining me. I am on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore K-Slow, C-A-S-E. LWE, the podcast itself if you want updates on the show but don't want updates on my life 
it is on Instagram at Art School Albums. Jack Hubert again, Jock James Volume 1. We have broken it down. We have analyzed it 26 years after the fact. Just because the NFL season is over does not mean that sports are done with. Because in our hearts somewhere, there was always room for a little bit of Jock Jams. <laughs>